Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News preview show. I'm Jake Smales and much like Eric Maxime Choupo-Moting in the past, my time as a leading man in French football must burn short and bright as our Neymar, Lewis McParlane, is set to make his return to the podcast next week. Today we'll be giving our thoughts on the Champions League group draw, uh, which has happened as of this evening, uh, as PSG are handed a tough fixture list, which includes facing off against an old foe. Rennes have mixed fortunes in what promises to be an intriguing group, while Marseille are perhaps given a ray of light in, in that sense. We'll also be previewing some of the Ligue 1 action coming up this weekend, as PSG host Angers on Friday evening. Lille make the trip east to Strasbourg on Sunday before Lyon and Marseille clash in the weekend's headline fixture. Today, I'm joined again by Jeremy Smith. Jez, last Saturday, it's safe to say, was a particularly devastating day of football for you personally, and our thoughts go out to you. <laughs> I know you tweeted that you were, you were giving up on football completely. Have you managed to bring yourself to watch anything this week? Honestly, very, very little. I kind of tuned in to to yesterday's revenge match, which Man United won even more easily. But I don't think Brighton's heart was in it anymore after having, well, having their heart ripped to shreds on Saturday. And uh, yeah, mine hasn't come close to recovering it either. Yeah, I've got to say, even as a neutral, both of those matches were 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 horrible to watch. And I think most many can sympathise. And we all wish for better fortunes for Mets and Brighton this weekend. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm also joined by our co-chief features writer, Eric Devine. Eric, great to have you on. I know you spent a good portion of the show the other day uh, castigating Leon and just wanted to say many thanks for agreeing to do so again. <laughs> well, let's hope their player situation sorted and we can, we, Leon can move on uh, in a more dignified manner than they have over the last month. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. More on more on them in a minute. So we'll start this evening with the um, with the Champions League draw, which happened late this afternoon European time, as we record. So the draw sees Marseille in Group C, along with Porto, Manchester City, and Olympiacos. Uh, Rennes are in Group E with Sevilla, Chelsea, and Krasnodar. And in Group H, we have PSG in Pot One along with Manchester United, RB Leipzig, and Turkish champions and debutants, Istanbul Bashakshahir. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, let's go in alphabetical order here. Um, we'll start... So Marseille and Rennes are both in, were both in pot four, obviously, so could have faced a number of challenging teams. Um, Jez, do we think Marseille was somewhat fortunate in this draw? How do you think they'll be feeling about this overall? Um, it definitely could have been a, a, a worse draw. I don't think this is too bad at all. Um, it's not going to be easy, and you'd expect Man City to, to pretty much run away with the group. And I think, as we've seen numerous times with, with clubs from all different countries, um, not much beats a bit of European experience. And so Porto, I think, are kind of past masters and are going to be tough to beat. And then you've got Olympiacos, who are a little... Also, I mean, also have the Champions League experience, but are a bit of a, a sort of unknown quantity. But I think 
Yeah, if, if I was a betting man, I probably would put Marseille to finish maybe thirds. But I think they've got to be reasonably happy and, and think that, that they've got a good chance here. There's there's quite a few sort of, um, I guess, reunions with with um, former clubs. You've got uh, Benjamin Mendy, who'd obviously be going back to Marseille. You've got Villas-Boas, who certainly have a lot of inside information on Porto. You've got Val Buena, who isn't exactly necessarily... The, the fans' favourite at Marseille, particularly after after going to to Lyon in between, so there's like there's some nice little subplots there, and I think Marseille have got to think that they've got a reasonable chance to 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 get second place. It feels relatively even between the those other three teams, and actually just looking at Jonathan Wilson's predictions in the in the Guardian, he's he's Marseille to finish second, but they they certainly have to improve on, on their current form, I think. Um, you know, there was always a concern that last year was was kind of a perfect storm. It was a, a small squad that Velas-Boas really had playing and, and sort of um, all kind of kicking in the same direction. And, and I think it's difficult to maintain those intense levels um, for a sustained period. I don't think they've strengthened particularly um, this summer. And obviously having the sort of two-pronged challenge of, of Liga and Champions League is going to be relatively tough for them and certainly the, the sort of post-PSG win hangover has, has not been impressive so far um, and that's not just bitterness from Saturday talking um, so yeah I think their form needs to improve but you hope that certainly under a great man motivator like, like Villas-Boas they'll be able to raise their game and, and yeah hopefully spring a surprise or two I think it, you know it could well come down with all due respect to Olympiacos, I think it could well come down to the to the Marseille Porto matches and how they go may dictate who finishes second. Yeah, and um, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on that as well, Eric, because to me it does seem like um, like an interesting an interesting mix of teams. And as Jez alluded to, you know there are those narratives, and it will be particularly interesting to to see. Andre Villas-Boas face off against the team in Porto that he did so, so well at in terms of winning the Europa League and winning the Portuguese League un, unbeaten. But do, do you think Marseille have enough? I mean, yes, we've talked a lot about how perhaps on, on these podcasts their squad is, is, a, is a thin one, but do you see them making it through this group? Yeah, it's a possibility. I think Porto aren't you know, we're, we've been used to seeing this team in the round of 16 and in the, in the knockout stages of the Champions League in recent years, but I think that they've tailed off a little bit. I think that they don't quite have quite the attacking firepower that they do. I know Moussa Marega is a, a really exciting attacking force, but there are definitely still players that could leave as well. I mean, let's look at um, uh, Teus, who's consistently linked with the move abroad. I think that that could be a confounding factor. He's really a, a key player for them. So I think for really what what I would like to see is Marseille play a little bit with the handbrake off. I think that um, what we've seen from them is intriguing, but you know, could there be more to come if this team play a little bit more openly? How about a four-two-three-one um, with with Lopez in? It's something to get a little bit more creativity in central areas. I think that what we're seeing is there's just not quite enough. Morgan Sanson's goal. Uh, the weekend aside, he's a he's a lovely player, but um, I don't think he's quite getting enough uh, 
help in that midfield create creatively to get get chances going for those attacking players. And I think that you know we've got Florentovan who admitted that he he was tired. I mean, uh, managing him given that he didn't really play last season is going to be really key. And I think that if he can be the player he was in 2018-19 or 2017-18, again, I know there are uh, questions about his ability against big sides, but. Um, he certainly is a talented player, as he showed with that, that goal against PSG, who can rise to the occasion. So it's going to be two things. One, can Villas-Boas get this team going in an attacking sense? And two, uh, can he properly manage both an aging Dimitri Payet and Florian Tovan, who are who's returning from injury? Um, I, I don't think there's any other players in this team that I would really be able to put faith in, um, say, say maybe Seb Mondanda, but again, he's not going to win a game for you. He might keep you in one. Um, but I don't think that Particularly at center forward, they have the requisite quality uh, in Dario Benedetto or uh, Valer Germain to uh, make a fist of this. So it's really going to be down to how he manages those two players and the team overall, attacking wise. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think if if you know, it's one of those situations where if things do go off and and Andre Villas-Boas does decide to, as you as you put it, kind of take the handbrake off, and if fatigue isn't 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 an issue and Payet and Tovan can get back into top form. I mean, there's a lot of ifs there, but you know, you'd think that they have a better chance of getting through a group like that than perhaps a group where you know a team like Inter was in pot three or they'd been placed in in that position, um, for example, instead of Olympiakos. That could have been been really tricky for them. So we look forward to seeing to seeing how they do. Another group which looks interesting uh, in terms of perhaps not as clear cut uh, as some may think is Group E which sees Rennes also in pot four take on Europa League champion Sevilla, Chelsea and Russian-signed Krasnodar. Um, we've kind of alluded there to reunions in terms of, you know, former coaches or former players in, in Ligue 1 or for Marseille. It's the same for Rennes, obviously, with uh, Steven and Zonzi facing off against Sevilla and Nyanyon for Sevilla facing up against Rennes, potentially, even if he won't start. And, of course, very fresh is Edouard Mendy moving to Chelsea, who looks set to be their new number one. Um, so that will be very interesting. Again, Jez, is this perhaps a somewhat more favourable draw than expected for Rennes? Um, again, I mean, on paper, they're the sort of second worst rated side of all the of all the teams in the Champions League, I'm not really sure that means too much. Um, the same kind of thing. It could have been better. It could have been worse. But I think they've got to look at that group and think we've got a reasonable chance here. Sevilla um, watched the uh, the uh, Super Cup final, or whatever it's called, the the other day, and um, the the commentary, the usual sort of English commentary, were talking about Sevilla. Um, you know, like they were some kind of nobody and isn't it amazing that they're sort of you know going toe to toe with Bayer and this is you know a, a team that's just won a European trophy and it's a European trophy they win regularly and okay they've lost a few important players and you know Kunde may leave bit before the before the window closes for example but um it's still as they showed last week a very very good team um so you know the they're probably going to start as favourites. Chelsea on paper should be up there, but I don't feel like it's entirely clicked yet. Um, I, like many people, have slight doubts about whether Lampard is is necessarily completely up to the job of of managing that that of you know 
I, I feel it's a little bit too soon for him to have got such a, a sort of a high level managerial job and, and I think last year he maybe had the excuse of not having a transfer window and this year he hasn't got excuses so I think there's a bit more pressure on him um, and you know this may be the level at which he's found out but I think Ren have shown you know a couple of years ago in the in the Europa League where they had a really good run and, and um you know, gave Arsenal a really good run for their money, and they've shown it in in Liga as well that they are a quality team. They've got quality players. They've got, like it or not, they've got a few players that will see this as a as a bit of a sort of shop window as well. Um, Ren themselves may see it as that. You know, if if Kamavinga has some. Um, He's, you know, he's destined to leave for a ridiculous amount anyway. But perform well against the likes of Sevilla, and and he, they can probably add a couple of zeros to to their Real Madrid asking price, for example. So um, I think that there's lots of incentive and and lots of reason to think that um, Ren Ren could well um, challenge for for one of the top two places. I think this one is. In a way, I feel like they've got a, a better chance than um, than Marseille in the sense that I think arguably there's two teams that you'd say are better than them, but it doesn't look like there's one that, that might run away with it. So there could be sort of more draws, more surprises, more points spread out, and there's no reason why Ren can't... can't sort of go into this sort of mini tournament thinking we you know we can we can definitely um nick something off those those two teams that are bigger on paper and 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 sneak into those top two places if not top two then certainly there's room for them to make europa league yeah i i I think i agree i mean i personally view ren as the team arguably the team i don't think it's that hopefully it's not a league on bias but i do see ren as a team that could potentially surprise a lot of people um at the very least in terms of the impact they make given kind of what's been going on there over this summer and the kind of trajectory they've been on and as you allude to there i mean i'm chelsea are are a very inconsistent side as a chelsea supporter i'll leave my impassioned defense for frank lampard the coach until after this might be more brighton bitterness talking after the first (laughs) season well i think that's that's fair enough after after that particular game but but yeah, Eric, do you think that, that Ren have a have a real opportunity here to surprise a lot of people outside, certainly outside of kind of the Ligue 1 bubble? I mean, they did that in the Europa League a couple of seasons ago. Do you, do you see that the potential for that to happen here as well? Yeah, and I think that's actually an excellent parallel, Jake. I, I think that the teams that we saw them really surprised against were, were Betis and Arsenal. And again, both of those teams, you know, at the time, were known for playing with sort of gung-ho style. And, and getting forward. And I think that looking at this at this Chelsea side and how it's currently constructed, that is what they are. They're a team that, yeah, can be marvelous in an attack, has some has some brilliant individuals, but can they be got at? Absolutely. And I think that the, what we saw from Ren back in 2019 uh, is, is evidence of that. And this is a better squad. I think that the purchases they've made this summer are 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 excellent and they're they're showing good things in their academy. We saw the youngster too fair against against Monaco. Um, Sasha Boy and Brendan Soppy look good as well. To say nothing of Kamavinga, um, but in, in Martin Terrier and um, uh, Zero Garassi, they 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 brought in two excellent and versatile forwards. Um, they're not going to have the issues that Marseille have with depth. I mean, this team 
you know, has a squad. They can they can rotate. In midfield, you've got the likes of Jonas Martin, uh, James Leia Saliki, he, he comes back, uh, Clement Grenier if he stays. Um, this team has depth. This team has options. Um, if Alfred Gomez can settle in, he's he's an excellent goalkeeper. I know that, you know, we, we talk about that Mendy rematch, but, I mean, I don't see, frankly, Gomez as being that big of a drop-off um, from, from, from Mendy. I know that we have a tendency to look at statistics as being a little bit massaged when goalkeepers do play for a poor team, um, as Dijon very much are. But uh, I think on the whole, yeah, I, I think that Ren are... Yeah, I, I would say there's, I, I don't see them as being able to go toe-to-toe with Sevilla. I think that team is is too well-organized and, and, and too deep and too experienced at playing in Europe. But uh, yeah, Chelsea, I, you know, I think this team has... Is, has a lot of potential to be got at. And I think that Ren uh, are probably better equipped to do that than our Krasnodar. And, you know, if they can get two or four points out of those two matches against Chelsea, um, I, again, I know it sounds ludicrous if you haven't watched them play, but, you know, they did it with a poorer team two years ago. I think there's absolutely um, a good chance that they can go through. Uh, yeah, I think I think there's certainly a, a possibility there i'm i personally i'm very excited to see how ren in particular get on this season and, and nervous given my 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 english team allegiances in in equal measure um so we'll see how we'll see we'll look forward to seeing how they get on there um finally we have paris saint germain of course who find themselves in um i guess the closest thing we have to a kind of the cliche of a a group of death that we have this year they face uh, Manchester United, RB Leipzig, who they obviously beat in the semi-finals, and uh, Turkish champions Başak Şehir. Um, Eric, we'll start with you this time. Do you think? Do you think this is the most competitive group in the Champions League draw? If you're a Manchester United fan, um, <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I mean, no. I, I think. I think. Uh, Group D is far more intriguing as is Group B. Uh, looking at the, the the eight groups now, um, I think I think those two groups have uh, have a top three that is much more up in the air and there's, aren't going to offer much more compelling football. I mean, look, Manchester United ha- have made improvements, you know, in in terms of how they've looked under under Ole Gunnar Skolshire and and is particularly bringing in Bruno Fernandes, but I. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think Leipzig. If I don't think Leipzig are to be counted out, I know there's a big caveat, and they're having lost Timo Werner vis-a-vis the team they were last season. But uh, I still think that they've got a raft of young talent, and they're well organized. And I think that you know, yeah, I I, I think that uh, PSG should should walk this group. But I, th- I think um, United fans should hardly be right. Rubbing their hands together with Kali. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, especially given the fact that you've got an unhealthy Maria, for example, who's going to be suspended for another four matches, including tomorrow in in the um, in the league, and he'll be he'll be you know fresh for those that first handful of Champions League matches as well. Um, rotation might not be as much of a concern uh, as otherwise might be, given PSG's somewhat thin squad they can get through this comfortably and then perhaps look to build a little bit more in the winter 
Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. And I think it's I think it's fair to 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 assume that PSG are going to run away with that, and perhaps that it will be more competitive for the teams beneath them. But certainly, if it's not the most competitive group, one of the most competitive fixtures, at least kind of in terms of the feistiness of it, promises to be Man United versus PSG, because of course, Manchester United back in 2019 went through the round of 16 with a very controversial penalty late on at the part of the Prance after a handball decision was given against, I think it was Presnel Kimpembe. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremy, do you, how do you think, the, on, in terms of the PSG camp, how do you think they'll feel um, that they have this, this opportunity here? Do, I mean, do you think it's something that they'll be paying much, much mind to or do you think they'll kind of view this as just another, just another fixture, just another game? I think whenever anyone in sport says, you know, I'm not thinking in terms of revenge, I think it's probably 99% true and 1% untrue. Um, I think there's got to be an element of that. But the fact is, it's two seasons ago. Uh, This is a group stage. There's two matches, less intensity. They both can qualify anyway. And, and, you know, the, the, the one two years ago will have hurt a lot more. But um, I'm sure in the same way that you know, last last year and the run to the final was almost kind of more symbolic and a, a sort of mental thing about, um, you know, jumping those hurdles that they've so struggled to to jump in the past. I think maybe the the fact of getting some kind of you know mini double, obviously, again, is is part of a, a wider group stage. So. There's other factors, but if they could sort of get a couple of statement wins or results against Man United here, I think that might be sort of another mental block gone in the, you know, that that's another inverted commas European giant that we've been able to beat and we haven't sort of collapsed against it um, when in a winning position. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm not as convinced that PSG are going to run away with it. Um, again, this might be bitterness from Saturday talking. There's a theme in every group, but <laughs> United are, I feel, reliant on um, uh, sort of three or four world-class players, and then there's a lot of average footballers around them. To be completely honest, I would say the same about PSG right now. Um, I I still think that that. Champions, the run to the Champions League final last year was was pretty flattering, um, and that actually it hid a lot that is still wrong with that team and which still hasn't been um, rectified. But the fact is, when you've got players like Mbappe and Neymar and and Di Maria, for example, it can hide a multitude of sins. And I expect them to to get through the group stage because of that. I don't know about running away with it, but. I think they're going to struggle a lot more than last year to to, to get as far as they did last year um, without doing something special in the next three four days, which it doesn't particularly sound like they've got the <coughs> excuse me that they've got the means to do. So I do sort of I don't worry about them, but um, I'm not expecting anything special really from them this year in terms of Champions League. Interesting. Interesting. Well, we look forward to seeing how they get on, of course. Um, and my plan was kind of in line with what you were saying there, Jez, I guess, in terms of doing something special in the next however many days 
there are in the transfer window and kind of increasing um, and improving the quality of the squad overall. My plan was to talk about transfers. You know, they've signed um, Florenzi from Roma and they've made a couple of these loan deals permanent that they've had. And they've been linked with, be it defenders in Diacabi at Valencia or midfielders more recently at Deli Alley at Tottenham. Which is kind of an intriguing, <laughs> intriguing link. Um, but some news that has kind of broken more or less this evening as we record is that reportedly, at least, PSG have been in talks with uh, Leon to sign Hussein Awar. Uh, Eric, as the as the kind of the source on all things Leon, is is this a shock? And what do you think? Do you think there's any legs to this? Um, this was recorded in the keep a few hours ago, um, and sort of buried at the end of the article, they do mention that, um, it's, it's a sort of arrangement that could be done perhaps with an eye towards 2021, that he could be purchased now, uh, and then, and then loaned back. I think that, that might make a little bit more sense. I think that if I'm Awar and I'm a, I'm a player now, I, I would be foolish to take that move. Uh, even given his versatility, he's a squad player at best, especially if, PSG played that 4-2-4, um, and I think that he'd have a much better, well, maybe he wouldn't have a much better time of it under Rudy Garcia, <laughs> but he would certainly um, allow himself to continue to be selected by DJ Deschamps heading into next summer's European Championships, and I think that needs to be the player's goal now. Um, again, if PSG are making uh, Olas and Leon an offer that they can't refuse financially, that could change things, um, but again, I I, this doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I think that, you know, Arsenal, which is the club Awar has been linked with time and time again, and are rumored to have made concrete offers, including a cash plus Guendouzi offer. Um, that makes the most sense. If we look at Mikel Arteta playing that 3-4-3, Auer is a perfect fit for that midfield. Um, PSG, I mean, I, I don't really see where he naturally fits in. I, I think he did play as part of a midfield two at Leon briefly with Tonki and Dombele, uh, but that was really needs must at the time. Uh, Luka Tussart was out of favor for a while. Um, I don't think that he could play um, in a 4-2-4 alongside one of, say, Gay, Verratti, or Paredes. Um, I think he's not really quite defensively minded enough, not through any fault of his own. He's a hardworking player, but yeah, this doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense for me, both from the player's perspective uh, or from a PSG perspective. Again, they're not the ones making the moves. It's it's going to be Akalifi and, and Elas. If they put their minds to it, it could happen, but I don't see it making a whole lot of sense. Olas, um, I mentioned a third mystery club, and if that is PSG, I guess that could be true, but I'm, I am I would be very surprised to wake up tomorrow to uh, our holding up a, a jersey at the Parc des Princes. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but I am in the mon- minority of one, apparently, who who actually thinks it does make sense for OR and PSG. Um, I think he's the type of player PSG do need. Like I said before, I think their midfield is extremely average and sort of very kind of work-a-day, apart from Verratti. But I just, before, I just don't think you can rely on him. I think he's a pathetic child. Um, and I think... That's what Ola, you Sorry? Tell us what you really think. <laughs> um, I think Awa has the versatility that he can fit 
across the midfield and apparently Deschamps thinks in the forward line as well in, in a variety of positions. And I think he's got the, the nous and the line-breaking ability more in terms of passing than, than sort of running um, with the ball necessarily to, to, to add something to PSG's midfield. And for him personally, um, I mean, Eric probably sees him a lot more regularly than I do. I'm still not absolutely convinced about him. I still think he underperforms more often than he raises his game. Uh, still think he's incapable, considering the way people talk about him, I think he's shown himself incapable of sort of raising the team up to his level. More, more often than not, he'll drop down to their level. And I think maybe... I'm not sure he's ready to move abroad. And I think moving to PSG, staying in France, learning alongside players like Neymar and Mbappe, I think could be good for him. Um, I mean, if, if Tuchel is serious about dropping Neymar back to a number eight position, then then obviously forget everything I said, but I'm not sure that realistically is going to happen. And I, I do think that Aouar and PSG actually wouldn't be a bad move for either party. Hmm. I, yeah, I, I do. I do think that that he does suffer in a, in a major way from consistency issues. Um, I think that it's been a struggle for him that you know, in a team that has such a ball dominant player as as Memphis Depay, I I was sort of excited to see how a, a non Memphis Depay team would play consistently in Liga uh, down the back end of last season. Uh, perhaps without our getting a more consistent role and, and taking the reins of the attack more more often, but I think that by and large, yeah, he's been outshone by by players who have been more consistent who, and who have worked harder. Uh, you know, we look at look at someone like Maxence Kakare, for example. Um, I know they play dissimilar roles, but I think that yeah, I, I think that the move abroad, the scrutiny of Arsenal and their infamous fans, um, I think you know could be a step. A step too far for him at this juncture, um, consistency-wise. Yeah, I. Yeah. So, so what would your, it, it, were he to go to PSG, Jeremy? What, what would your tactical uh, imagination of how he fits into that team be? He replaces Verratti like for like, or. No, because I think Verratti is more effective as a sort of deeper, a deeper lying midfielder. I'd, I'd want Awa sort of pushing forward a little bit more than that. But I think some kind of four-three-three, um, or in a, a sort of four-four-two diamond. But I think he can play either on the centre or the left. And I just, I think PSG have got a lot of players who can fit a lot of positions. And um, Sometimes that's the problem because I think Tuchel likes to tinker a bit too much, and I think the players themselves maybe fancy themselves as, as showing that they can they can do a lot in all different places. Um, but I do also think that, especially in a long season and with what PSG now have is a is a pretty thin squad that could come in very useful. So someone like Awa, who um, I think can can be relied on. Um, in more than one, not no relied on kind of goes against what I said before. But I mean, um, you can put him in different positions, and in theory, he can still perform. I think could be very valuable. And in in terms of just those midfield roles, I think Draxler, for whatever reason, seems a bit of a busted flush. You've got Verratti, who's obviously a good passer, 
But apart from that, you've got Gay, you've got Paredes, who I think is good for sort of literally bulldozing through lines. Um, But I don't think you've got our sort of balance of, of... ability on the ball and the passing and the finding of space. I, I don't, I, yeah, variety aside, I don't think there's anyone that comes close in PSG's midfield. Yeah. And it, I, I think, you know, while, while it's not certainly not the kind of move that I necessarily saw coming, certainly, you know, as you, as you point out, someone like Draxler is the only kind of major real I know our is more than just a creative midfielder but certainly kind of that sort of creative element from PSG's midfield it would be it would be interesting to see that play out and also you know all the the, the talk which I think is completely fair enough Jez of the fact that he kind of you know has a tendency occasionally to sort of drop down to the level that the rest of the team are playing at it would be interesting to see whether playing with some of those "Quote unquote stars that PSG have, what what perhaps what impact that might have, but anyway, so we await we await that news um, with bated breath whether it ends up happening or not. Who knows? I think we're slightly skeptical over here, but let's let's move on to the team that PSG are playing this weekend in Angers. Um, they beat Brest three uh, two last weekend, coming back from uh, a goal down to win." Uh, Angelo Fulgini winning the uh, scoring the winner, I should say. Um, it's three wins and two defeats for Les Angevins, so doing okay overall. Um, but it's been an interesting summer, not only in terms of the sort of changes in personnel from higher up within the club, but um, President Saeed Shaban has said um, recently that, that Ryan Aidnori is uh, most likely on his way out. Uh, Batiste Santa Maria, of course, has left, who I think we're all a big admirer of, and certainly Thomas will will tell you. GFFN's Thomas Wiseman will tell you how this team and how great he is as a player overall. Given all those changes, Eric, how do you see this season panning out for Angers? Perhaps if they'd kept Santa Maria and you know signing someone talent, as talented a, a goalkeeper as someone like Paul Bernardoni, you know, and kind of bringing the age down of that that back five. Maybe they would have been able to push on, but it kind of, to me at least, looks like a different sort of task this season now. What do you think? No, I, I yeah, I can't say I disagree. I think that's, I, I saw that signing of, of Bernardoni, and I thought, okay, you know, this is some of this Telefoot money that's coming in. Um, great. Uh, Andre are being ambitious, as we want French clubs to be. But then to sell Santa Maria, you know, for not a lot of money, uh, I don't remember what his contract situation was, to Freiburg. This is not, you know, a European regular. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, again, I'm not trying to say anything bad about, bad about the Bundesliga, but it, you know, it, they're not, they're not a destination club. Um, they're not something that, and they don't have a ready-made re- their replacement for him. They're using Eric Capel, Lasana Koulibaly, whoever ends up being the answer in, in that central midfield role certainly is, is nowhere close to being the sort of, uh, heartbeat of the side, having that sort of heartbeat of the side effect that Santa Maria did. And I think that uh, beyond that, you know, they, they continue to play this 4-3-3, which I have time for. I, 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 I trust that um, Stefan Moulin knows what he's doing, but I still see them struggling for goals. They've had a decent start to the season from Stefan Bauken, but again, I mean, he's a player who's been in Liga for quite a while. I don't 
know that he's necessarily going to give you more than maybe seven or eight goals. Is that enough to stay up? This team at their best has relied on, you know, more on, on having a, a center forward who has some amount of goal scoring prowess. We look at uh, Carl Toko Okambi, Famara Diadu. Um, they don't seem to have that figure. Even you know, bringing in Loestioni again, that that seems sort of a nonsensical transfer as well. Um, I just, yeah, I really don't uh, see it from from Angers this season. Um, I think that their transfer strategy has been frankly baffling. Um, and while they have shown a little bit more an attack than they have in recent seasons, um, where where they go from here, I think really leaves me feeling leaves me leaves me with the feeling that they are a club without um much clear direction i know we have issues with saeed shaban going on behind the scenes that may contribute to that but again it's it's a it's an inauspicious start to this season for lisco yeah i agree i agree and you know it's it's i think it's slightly turbulent times with obviously olivier pico this the sporting director who's been been um been so successful there leaving and perhaps that says something about the transfer policy and thomas was talking about the other week about the club um you know potentially well their kind of search for a replacement for santa maria and how do you find the replacement for someone like santa maria who does all the things that he does for the money that they've ended up selling him to um selling him for even i should say and you know they were linked thomas suggested they were linked with um Jean Udaoulou, who I, I believe he's at Strasbourg, gone on loan to Strasbourg now. Um, so you know that's that's out the window, and even he, I don't think, was a was a suitable replacement. So I, their start to the season has been perfectly perfectly fine. I, I I was perhaps more worried than than I am now, looking at how they're doing after five matches. But certainly, it's going to be tougher this season for them. How do you do you see them approaching this game? Jez, I mean, obviously, you know, we're used to seeing Angers play defensively and play on the counter. Will it literally be a case of containing PSG or do you think we can expect expect anything kind of wildly different from Angers? No, I think, um, although they, you know, they've been relative fun this year and, and certainly last weekend, I think Moulin is still instinctively a, pr- a pretty defensive um, coach and, and um, rightly or wrongly, although I think their aura has slipped a little bit, I still think that most teams will, will go to PSG. Um, certainly now they're sort of approaching being back to full strength. I still think most Ligue 1 teams will go there sort of just hoping to come away without a, a severe beating. Um, so uh, I expect them to, to try to remain tight at the back, um, possibly nick something from from a set piece, which they they are very good at. Traoré's good at scored a, a great volley at the weekend, and Tom, I don't know if he's going to be back. So I think he's got a fractured hand, but no, he's not in the squad. He's not okay. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that I think they're just going to not revert to type, but do what they do best, which which is keep it tight and maybe look to to. To, to hit PSG on the break, which I think is doable. And I do think, I agree about Balkan. I'm, I'm not sure he's the, the same quality as, as the previous strikers they've had, but I think he's had a reasonable last season and reasonable starts to this season. Um, I think he could, he could you know, get, give the PSG defence a little bit to think about. And again, a lot depends on whether... For example, I know he will even be there and playing at the weekend. It doesn't look like it. Um, 
I'm not expecting much from Angers, but I don't think they'll make it easy for PSG. I say, I expect PSG to win, but I don't think it's going to be a sort of shellacking. With with that in mind, what do we think the score is going to be in this one? Um, we'll start with you, Eric. What do you think? Uh, 3-1 to PSG. Jez, what about you? Um, I'm going to gain the, the same gap, but I'll say 2-0 PSG. Okay, and I will go for 3-0 PSG in that case. Um, so let's move on to the... I kind of alluded to the headline fixture, if you like, at least on at least on paper. Perhaps not in the quality of football we're going to see, <laughs> but the um, the headline fixture of the weekend is Lyon take on Marseille on on Sunday evening. Um, so we'll start with with Lyon, the home side. So um, they're currently eleventh in the league after their draw with Lorient last time out, and they haven't won since the opening day of the season. I think it was the, was it the opening day of the season that win against Dijon. Correct. I so, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, these transfer sagas are, are going on with a lot of these players, with Awar and with Ren Adelaide, and we don't know what's going to happen with with um, with Memphis. Um, Eric, we'll start with you. A lot of people thought that this season domestically would be kind of more straightforward for Lyon, um, that they might steamroll back into Europe at least, and perhaps even give PSG a, a bit of a go. I think. It's fair to say that people who were saying that probably didn't hasn't haven't watched much of them domestically under Rudy Garcia. But do you think do you think Garcia is entirely t- to blame for 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 that? The fact that Lyon aren't it's early doors so far, but Lyon aren't perhaps capitalising on 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 that lack of uh, you know European football, which I guess you know we'll we'll come to see how that affects them as the season goes on. But yeah, what do you what do you think? I would say he's. 85% to blame. Maybe 15% we can go to, to players that have had their heads turned in the in the form of maybe an Awar or a, or Depay. Um, but no, I mean, the way he set, set this team out, out tactically lately is bizarre. Um, the club's transfer strategy, I think, is... I, I mean, I don't know. The fact that you spend $9 million on Yusuf Kone and he goes on loan to Spain. The fact that you... That Thiago Mendes hasn't has barely seen the pitch. Um, you know, the fact that Joachim Anderson, who uh, is the club's record or, or second record signing, I can't remember whether he or Ren Adelaide was more expensive, um, is, you know, likely to follow in the, the footsteps of Joe, Tur- Joe Hart and going to Torino. Um, yeah, this club is just really being mismanaged in a, in a pretty top-down way. And I, I think that, you know... <sighs> This, this Brazil first sporting approach is, is troubling. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that I, I, I like some of the players they brought in. Bruno Guimaraes is an exciting player to watch. Um, you know, I think, and I think that, you know, Paqueta can be used properly. I know he hasn't really, I haven't, I don't think I've seen him more than once maybe at, at, at Milan, but he could potentially slot in well and give that Leon midfield a little bit more creativity. But again, this team are being set out poorly tactically. We saw that you're playing three at the back against, against L'Oreal. I'm, I'm sorry. I, you know, I have a, a lot of respect for Christophe Pellissier as a manager, but if he's playing a five, four, one, and it is a five, four, one, especially became more negative with, uh, Lefay, uh, having come off, uh, and, and Gerbich as well. Um, why, why, why not react more quickly? Why, why leave Memphis to on the bench? 
Um, why play Alwar and Cherokee? Uh, you know, nominally wide when that's not when they're when they're best better suited to to central roles. Um, there's just so much wrong about how this team are both approaching individual matches um, and the market at large right now that is is really troubling. And I, you know, Olas has been quick to trumpet uh, the signing of Paqueta as being particularly ambitious and. Yeah, I guess if you look at the, the, the money involved in the transfer, it is. And, and given how much Milan paid for him, I believe they paid $39 million for him um, in winter of 2019. Um, you know, he's a, a Brazilian international. Um, that's, that's all well and good. But again, you know, uh, do the pieces fit? And I, I, I don't see that. If you're going to spend $20 million and you've got, uh, you know, capable midfield in, in terms of Kakare and Guimarães, um and you know, even if Awar leaves, you you still got. Um, I think there's there's good things to come from John Lucas. I know he's a young player, but I think he's he's evinced some potential as well. Um, you know, I, I would rather see that being sent spent on a third central defender. Um, are you going to play every single match with Marcelo and Denier? Um, you know, is who's your backup left back now that now that Kone is gone? I mean, a rotation of of Maxwell Kone, who yeah has done well against bigger sides. Has been imp- has been okay, but then you're going to Melvin Bard and Sonali Diamande. You know, young and exciting players. But um, if that player has to play, you know, 30 matches, it, is that what you want? Leon are an injury at fullback away from being really dire straits. Um, it's really problematic, and it's not as bad as I've seen things at the club. I, I think we'd have to go back to maybe 2010, 11, 12, 13. Um, those lean years after after things went wrong. With the likes of Ali Sissoko and 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 Yohan um, Gorkouf, but these are pretty dire straits right now um, for a club that you know. Aside from Rennes and maybe Montpellier, I don't really see that there's another. There are there are other teams being ambitious and taking a step forward in France right now. Even PSG, you know, maybe I'm not saying they're there for the taking as the title, but they're not the dominant force they that they have been in recent seasons, given their issues with with the transfer window. So for Leon to be making all these missteps, particularly at this time, is, you know, as a supporter, very, very troubling. But I think, you know, on a technical level, too, that, you know, it seems that Olas in, in the strategy he's taken in, in both in terms of Garcia and Juninho, and he's really, he's unable to see the forest for the trees. And this is, this team, I mean, they might get a Europa League or maybe even a Champions League spot, but it's not going to be by dint of anything they've done well. It's going to be because other, the other teams in the league are too inconsistent to capitalize on anything. It's, it's a really frustrating set of circumstances right now, um, both as a fan of the club and as a fan of Ligue 1. You know, I, I, I joke with, with Mo Ali, who's on, who's on the, the show sometimes as well. Like, you know, I want to see Marseille do well, even though Leon and Marseille are rivals. I want to see teams in Ligue 1 you know, be well-constructed, play, you know, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, the right, right kind of football. And Leon are so far from doing that right now that it's, it really is immensely frustrating. Rant over. Sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. I, I mean, I think it's entirely valid. And again, kind of similarly to PSG, I think for a lot of kind of people who haven't been observing Ligue 1, Leon, at least to me, Leon's Champions League run massively painted over the cracks and, the problems on the pitch, you know, as you say, with kind of the tactical setup and Garcia's insistence on this three-four-three, which doesn't seem to be doing any one of their players any favors. 
and uh, at least you know against the sort of quote unquote with all, with all due respect the sort of kind of lesser teams in terms of budget and 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 kind of squad depth in in league um and also off the pitch i mean just just one last thing on leon will will come to I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts on the whole lucas paqueta thing because you know a lot has been made of you know janinho really like it's kind of other than the odd success and you know bruno guimaraes being a big one it's kind of this all all Brazilian club and um, a lot of uh, a, f- a few misfiring so far, and you know to spend twenty million euros on a player who clearly has a lot of potential has been backed, you know, sought after by a lot of big clubs. It didn't work out for him at Milan, but it's it's a huge gamble, no, to spend twenty million euros on a player who played didn't really impress all that much, other than I think in a few early games um, for AC Milan. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I totally agree with with everything that Eric said. I think Garcia definitely should take a lot of the blame for a lot of of the problems currently. But I think they go back to to before Garcia arrived. Um, and you know, I'm not saying anyone's missing Genesio, but you look back, and that definitely <laughs> seems like kind of calm normal days where it might have not been very exciting but at least he was he was sort of relatively reliable and you knew that Lyon would qualify not necessarily comfortably but at least qualify for Champions League and everything that they've done since seems seems to have, have gone wrong and I yeah for me I, I put a lot of the blame on Juninho who I just don't think is up to it and it's always a, a worry when a, a club legend comes back, and um, I'm sure that part of it was because people, you know, Olas probably thought, well, Juninho is going to have so much credit that he'd have to really go a long way to, to lose all that credit with Lyon fans. But I think he's well on the way to that. And, you know, to, when this Arouard PSG rumour broke, I saw a lot of people saying how disgusting it is that Alcalofi is bypassing Leonardo. Maybe that's because Leonardo is obsessed with, he seems obsessed with Serie A, and Janino seems kind of similar in terms of Brazilians. And it might not be his fault, that might be just as far as his network goes. And then obviously that in that case, that's the Leon hierarchy's fault for bringing him in, I guess, and exacerbating it by the fact that that means that Maurice felt that he had to leave. And I, I think it's clear that he's done a great job over recent years. But yeah, I, I think Janino has mostly been missteps, obviously starting with Silvino, which meant that last year was kind of a, a fighting uh, sort of can't think of the right phrase but you know everyone else had a, a head start um before yeah. before Garcia even came in um and yeah most of most of the the transfers in I mean even Gimmerich so far so far this year I know it's very early it doesn't mean too much but he certainly doesn't look the same player that, that he was when when he first arrived at the club but yeah as Eric said I mean for me in terms of midfield I think you've got quality there you've you've got Guimaraes and Kakare you've got Lucas there and rather than spend 20 million on Paqueta I'd have based I'd have spent 20 millions worth of man hours sweet talking Ren Adelaide and and saying you know you are part of our plans absolutely we want you in that three-man midfield um and you know um come back and, and draw back on all the things you said don't worry your 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 first team place is safe here but there's too many stubborn people in the background, most of all Garcia. Um, the one thing I'd say is 
you know, he, he's giving a couple of young players a chance, but even then he sort of ruined any credit that he might have had by trying to say it was all down to him when clearly some of those decisions were forced onto him. Um, we've spoken before about how, you know, you've, you've lost, I think, very, very talented players like Guiri and Terrier, and I don't think Tokyo Kambi and Kadawari are up to it. I think there's so much going wrong there, and absolutely Garcia and the way he's setting the team up and the way the team are playing on the pitch, you know, that you've got to give the players some blame as well because some of them should be performing better than they are. Um, it's definitely all part of it, but I think the problems go deeper than that. And this should have been... A wake-up call. This should have been, you know, first time in a quarter of a century or whatever. With the, we're not in Europe, but it's not terminal. It's only one summer. Um, yes, we're going to miss the money, but a lot of clubs are missing money this this summer as well. Let's quickly get our house back in order. And it doesn't seem that they've done that in any way whatsoever. If anything, they've made matters worse. And it's, I think, it's a slippery slope and one that you can sit down quite quickly. Um, I kind of keep seeing similarities with Arsenal and sort of not to go into in, in huge detail, but it was the same as then. They went very quickly from challenging for the league to quickly settling for Champions League places each year to suddenly not even getting that. And that's the way Lyon are going. Um, and as Eric said, that there, there should be ample room for them to, at the very least, be ceiling second place I think year in year out and they're just shooting themselves in the foot constantly Yeah I think it's very very difficult to disagree with the current situation at Lyon which is troubling for 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 Lyon fans and even for Ligue 1 as a whole I think in terms of you know the quality kind of what Eric was alluding to earlier on about you know wanting Marseille to do well wanting Lyon to do well you want a team as big as Lyon have such capabilities you know there was talk a couple of summers ago with them being in talks with Mourinho for goodness sake you know and uh, I mean you know people different people will say different things but that would still have been absolutely blockbuster for the league and Lyon are a, are a, are a huge club and it's just it's a, it's a well perhaps not for a, a for fans of other teams in the league but kind of as a neutral it's a shame to see what is going on there um Let's move on to their opponents who are also having a somewhat turbulent time at the minute, perhaps not quite to the same extent given you know how things went last season. But Marseille, we've already touched a bit on Marseille, so we won't dwell on them for too long. But we've learned this week that there'll be no punishment for uh, Alvaro Gonzalez after the uh, racism fiasco that occurred in the, in the Classique. Make of that as you will. They drew with uh, one all with, with Mess. Sorry, Jez. Uh, last weekend out with Morgan Sanson bailing them out with a 95th minute winner and they're perhaps not kicking on as we expected after the after the result in the Classique um, I only really have one question and it's kind of to, to both of you uh, and it, it goes with what we were kind of discussing earlier but do we think you know a, given how kind of conservatively they played at points last season and how they've looked this season do we think it is a case of AVB needing to take the handbrake off, I think. I think it was put and and you know encourage the team to be more open. What 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 do you what are your thoughts on that, guys? Let's maybe start with start with you, Jez. Um, I think that he massively overachieved last season. Um, I think he probably would admit that. I remember a, a match very early in the season. I think it was maybe the 
defeat to, to Ras, where he, he pretty much said, look, don't expect anything from me. I've been told I've got no money to spend. The squad's not really strong enough to challenge. A Champions League place will, will be a, a tough ask. So to finish um, second and do as well as they did, I think is is beyond any the expectations of anyone in the club. And obviously that, that sort of... Um, in a way, leads to problems this year because unless you're able to maintain those very high standards um, without strengthening the squad particularly, then, um, yeah, it's it's difficult to, to, to keep that going, especially when you're in, you're in a, second, a second competition. So I, I think he's going to have to just use all his managerial talent to, to eke out what he can from the squad. Definitely having Torvan back is is like having a, a new signing, I guess, because he obviously didn't have him pretty much for the whole of last season. But Torvan Payet is so mercurial and, and Payet you know, still looks overweight, still recent, recently has turned into a sort of Patrice Everest style, concentrating more on his social media game than his football. <laughs> Tovin, I think, has to be nurtured back because he's been out for so long. And he, you know, both of them have looked so poor the last two matches. And, you know, we mentioned Mo Ali earlier. I remember last year that the, the match that Villas-Boas basically threw against PSG and PSG went went easy on, on Marseille and stopped playing after like the fourth goal or something. Um, and Mo said that you know that that's a, a sort of necessary thing to do in order to then have a strong season. I at the time disagreed. I still kind of disagree. I still think a club like Marseille shouldn't be doing that against PSG, and it is still one match. But I guess you have to say that in a way, Villas Boas was borne out by the great season they had afterwards. And this year is almost the opposite. It's almost like they're suffering such a bad hangover so far from from beating PSG. And I think probably a lot of that is emotion and, um, you know, the same as, I don't know, Liverpool fans saying that, and you know, should Everton beat them, it's like their cup final and Arsenal fans saying that about Spurs and vice versa. And it's a lot of kidology. But I think maybe Marseille have taken all of this a little bit too hard, a little bit too much, too much to heart. And there's an element of that. And probably there is a lot of sort of emotional release from that match, as well as all the, obviously the politics and the fallout and the suspensions and everything else. But that's, you know, three home matches, not just matches, but home matches since the PSG match, mm. where frankly, they've deserved to lose all of them. They've needed two very late goals to, to scrape two points. And um, I'm not saying this is more reflection of, of the quality of the squad, but as I said, I think last year was a massive overachievement and it's almost, you know, he's almost created a rod for his own back, but I think it's, it's, it'll be harsh to, to expect Villas-Boas to, to kind of match those, match those standards. Would you agree with that kind of analysis, Eric? And I, I guess as well, you know, the, uh, we've, we've talked at length about, the, the challenges that this second season will will pose for them in terms of fixture congestion, but it really does, at least for now, seem like it is going to be a slog and a, and a real struggle for them to 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 match what what I think Jez has aptly put as an overachievement last season. It's going to be I, I I don't know what you think, but I personally worry for Marseille and think that this could be a could be a really tough season for them in the league. Yeah, I mean. Well, I mean, let's—they're not going to get relegated, but uh, no, of course. 
Yeah, I, I think that they and they and Leon could be in for this sort of you know ignominious season that you know uh, Monaco had last season. I think they finished ninth, um, and I think that that's the sort of territory that that Marseille could be headed towards. The other thing too, I, I think that we look at transfers like I, I think that they did well to bring in uh, to bring in some decent players last season uh, in terms of in terms of Rangier. Um, and Benedetto, you know, okay, blue hot and cold, but like was fine for Ligue 1. But um, I don't know. I, 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 I have a hard time believing that this club is so financially hamstrung that it can't bring in a striker. And they brought in this young Brazilian winger, uh, Luis Enrique, who is not, not a striker from everything I've read. Uh, looking at his, his play on Scout uh, and, and who scored and other uh, database sites, he, he plays wide. Um, you know whether they see him as a medium-term replacement for Pae or not, but and this team needs goals. Um, if you're relying, I mean, again, I love Morgan Sanson. I think he's arguably the best transfer that that um, Marseille have had in the last five years. Um, I have a lot of time for him, but um, you know, if you're relying on him to to, to score a goal or Valère Germain, who you know might be playing with Nantes come Monday, you know, what does that really say about uh, having a, having options in terms of depth and attack. I'm not saying you need an out-and-out replacement for Benedetto per se, but there's not a striker out there that could be a different option. I mean, I don't know, going back to that Europa League run, I mean, they had, uh, uh, I think that was the season Clinton Nelge was there, um, you know, or you had, uh, you know, Bafe Gomes. I mean, again, he's a bit of a figure of fun for English fans, but was very, very, very effective for Marseille. Mm. You can't tell me that there's not some veteran presence he uses a bit of a battering ram or some faster option just to give something different to what they have if you're in need of a goal and again you're relying on i mean Saif at adin alkwai i mean is it again a decent player but like there just is not attacking options there so to spend to spend money on a promising youngster i you know i i have a hard time with that uh i think that a, a more proven option would have been a, a more prudent way for for that team to go in terms of the the, the sporting direction. Um, yeah, so again, you know, problems with uh, the club's management um, in terms of the sporting direction. But I think that again, yeah, the overachievement comment really rings true to me. I think that um, you know, who would have thought that you know Alvaro Gonzalez would be the difference? You know, and again, a fine player, but who would have thought he would be the difference? Uh, that that team needed to shore up their defense and move Camara into midfield. I I just yeah, um, that really speaks volumes as to the acumen of Vilas Bosch. But again, you know the club needs to give him some backing now. That they are finally back in the Champions League. What is it? Eight years later? Nine years later? Yeah, yeah. I think there's problems in terms of the way that that as you say that that they've never really kind of gone on to replace. Someone like Gomis, I know you guys have talked about this on the on the on the other podcast a lot, so I won't dwell on that. But you know that that especially this season with the goals kind of drying up, it seems more than ever that you know the money that they maybe spent on Luis um, Enrique, it wasn't expensive, but particularly, but you know that money could perhaps have been invested elsewhere. It's a strange, strange time. So I mean, Loic Remy. I mean, Loic you know, Remy, yeah, for example, satisfied at Lille, yeah. he wouldn't he wouldn't want to buy the Champions League football again. I just just to throw a name out there, you know. I think it's a valid a valid option, you know, especially given where he went 
you know, in terms of a, a, a team who are who are going to struggle this season, most likely in Serie A. It's a, it's a strange one. Anyway, I'm aware that, that time's ticking on, so let's let's go for our score predictions. We'll start start with you, Eric. How do you see this one playing out? Oh, let's let's go back to the days of uh, hanging Valbuena and effigy and say nil uh, <laughs> nil. What about you, Jez? Yeah, I'm tempted to say nil nil or even minus one, minus one. <laughs> um, uh, let's go one nil Lyon. Give them a sort of full storm. <laughs> I too was going to go for uh, for one nil Lyon. So. Um, uh, normally, I'd be inclined to go to go for something else for variety's sake, but I will, in this case, agree with Jez. Let's um, let's go through this last match. Then I'd like to talk to you guys about, which is Strasbourg versus Lille. Um, uh, we'll just touch on each team kind of briefly. But Strasbourg are currently 18th. They've had a torrid start to the season. Um, they lost 3-2 to Monaco last weekend, despite having a two-man advantage for the final 20 minutes. They've lost four matches this season and only managed to beat Dijon, which, let's be honest, is nothing that anyone in Ligue 1 should be proud of at the moment. Um, so, you know, last season they started poorly as well, and clearly a big part of that was the Europa League qualifying run. But they haven't got the same excuse this season. They kind of ended the season very strongly before the COVID-19 interruption. Um, yeah, I guess my question is, Jez, are you surprised to see them where they are? And what exactly do you think has gone wrong or is going wrong for Strasbourg? I'm surprised to see where they are because I still think that they've got a decent enough team, certainly one that shouldn't be struggling the way they are. Um, but I just I feel like there's maybe a couple of players and also the coach who maybe are just there sort of that one season too long and things have gone a little bit stale and just the club, I think, needs to sort of change things up a little bit. Um, you know, Lala clearly has wanted a move for a couple of years now. Simakan only sort of sprung to the scene really last year, but is you know, is already being talked about as, as being on the move and that's probably unsettled him. Ajok, I know there's a lot of people, especially at GFFN, who love him, but I'm I'm not convinced. I still think he's a, a little bit of a lump. Um, Thomason, I think, is, is someone who maybe could is a really talented player who I think could maybe do with or even deserves a move. And I just think Thierry, Thierry Lore as well. I think he's a quality manager, but I think maybe it's time, you know, like lots of managers, maybe it's just the end of a cycle and it's time for him to, to look, to, to challenge himself somewhere else. So I, I expect them to get out of it. I don't think they'll be in trouble, but I just feel like they're going to have a pretty average season and I just I think it's a shame I think also to be fair to them and 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 also you know going back to to Marseille as well they are you know the the menu is is one of those places where the 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 crowd is almost like a a 12th man and so I think that's got to take a little bit of adjustment as well playing playing in front of more or less empty stands and you know I think the Strasbourg are the kind of team that would be affected as much as anyone by that kind of thing. Although probably Lance fans would, would tell me that's not a strong excuse right now. <laughs> but I don't listen to Lance fans, so I don't care. Um, so, yeah, I just... I, I, 
I find it hard to kind of get excited about anything to do with Strasbourg, even though I like so much about their their kind of managerial and playing staff, just because it's been the same for too long. And I think a few changes are needed to... Um, I was almost going to say a really terrible thing and um, say avoid them going the way of Toulouse, but that's a real insult that isn't <laughs> deserved. But um, you know what I mean, like... That you don't yeah. want them to keep too many things the same and, and gradually spiral without realizing it. Yeah, let's not uh, forget also that the long-term injury to Max Sells shouldn't be discounted either. I mean, he was really a fantastic keeper uh, last season and has been since mm. he joined the club. I think that he, his his absence is not something that should go unnoted. Yeah, yeah no. I agree with that. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I maybe maybe this is it is just a case of this team are are slow starters in the league. Um, based on, again, what happened last season. And I think it is interesting. It's an interesting point you raised there, Jez. I feel like not enough has, is being made of perhaps that for, uh, at least in terms of what I'm seeing, you know, that for certain teams, not having fans in the stadium may well have a, a psychological impact. Yes, there are examples like Lance who rely on a very passionate, very vocal fan base in the stadiums. But, but you know, the Menno is one of those places where you do rely on on um, on on ambiance to kind of carry the team over over the line sometimes. Anyway, they've got a tough fixture coming in terms of well, in the form of Lille, who are currently in second place. They beat Nantes two nil last weekend to go second. Uh, Burak Yilmaz getting his first goal for the club with a penalty, his first goal outside of Turkey in it, at the age of thirty five, perhaps I think. Oh, well. Need ver- verification on that, but he, um, you know, they, they, so far they've not really. Scored, they've not scored many goals. They've looked very solid defensively. The look of a sort of more classic, um, perhaps you could say, Christophe Galtier side. Um, Eric, do you think they'll be pleased with their start to the season overall? Obviously, they're in second place, but you know, there are little things like Jonathan David hasn't been scoring and things have been quite cagey for them. Will that will they still will 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 Lille and Lille fans be satisfied with how things are going? I think narrowly, yes, and here's why. Um, I think that we've seen a good start to the season from Sven Botman, uh, that the, the drop-off from uh, Gabriel to Mahrez to him has you know, been negligible. He, 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 Botman looks very good. Um, and you've also got to remember there's been uh, a lack of creativity in midfield due to injuries uh, to both Jekka and um, Ronaldo Sanchez. That's been something that's a mitigating circumstance as well. Uh, you've got uh, Yilmaz coming into a new league at you know a player who again we don't want to think the players are set in their ways but again you know someone who's played in Turkey for you know the best part of 20 years uh, professionally uh, is going to necessarily find uh, the pace of league a little bit different I know, I know there's been plenty of jokes made about how often he's been flagged offside um, but again you know he's he's someone who's adapting to the situation there's also Jonathan David who Again, or David, um, we have to remember that his role and his his success at Ghent uh, was playing not as a striker, but more often uh, as a second striker or even as a number 10 in a 4-3-1-2. So him playing in a 4-4-2 without a natural creative presence being so close to him, I think is, is, is tactically a big adjustment. So there's that. There's the pressure of his price tag on a young player. And there's the adjustment to a new league. So I, I think that, and he was so close, you know, thanks Nicola Powat to scoring 
uh, last Friday, uh, <laughs> that, uh, you know, I don't think we should be disheartened. I think that Lille should be happy with where they are and know that, you know, you know, if they focus on the league and other top three finishes, certainly, you know, certainly possible. So they have the depth to do well in in the Europa League as well. I kind of question that because I, I, I think I might struggle with, with their depth in midfield, especially if Sumare goes um, and in defense. But, um, yeah, they've got some nice options as, as well. I mean, we, we look at Luis Araujo has seems to be seems to be ready to take a step forward this season, even even bumping Jonathan Cody to the bench. Timothy Weah is fit. He's a player who who's evinced a lot of promise at various points in his career as well. And is still only, I believe, 20. So, yeah, I think Lille should be cautiously optimistic that Christophe Galtier, who has been, I think, you know, the best manager in this division over the last mm-hmm. 10 years, is a player is a, sorry, is a manager who will get things sorted out. And I think that the confluence of necessary adjustments and the absences, again, of, of Sanchez, who, you know, was one of their best players last season, uh, perhaps their best save, um, save Aussie men, um, will take, will take some doing. Um, and that, you know, if they can, if, if these players play to their potential, again, we, I talked earlier about it, there being a bit of a power vacuum in league on this season. You know, you've got PSG who I think will never continue to rise in the table. Bren looked very solid, but I, I, I think third place is 100% there for the taking and could very easily see Lille there, um, come the end of the season with a, even a rather negligible improvement uh, over how things stand right now. I feel the same. I think um, I, I like Lille. I think they're, um, as opposed to the likes of Lyon that we've been talking about and even arguably PSG, I think Lille are just a, a really well-run club. I think they, they seem to have much more kind of of a thought process to, to their transfer policy and I think um, they're doing similarly to last year, really. That um, I think, I, for me, there's no doubt that if the season had, had carried on a couple of weeks more, or certainly to, to its to its full term last year, they'd have finished third um, with the, the momentum that they were building. I think they were unlucky there. And this season, yeah, the, the issue so far, obviously, is scoring goals. And um, I feel exactly the same way about um, Jonathan David. And, and um, I feel, no, I don't feel sorry for him, but I think the pressure that people are putting on him to score, I think expecting him to be some kind of Osman figure is, is unfair because I don't think he's the same profile of player. And that could be the problem, that there isn't an obvious out-and-out striker centre-forward there. Um, but they have got a lot of good attacking players who hopefully, if if Gautier plays it right, are ca- capable of sort of sharing the goals between them. And in the meantime, and while all of the the, the new signings um, settle down, they're keeping it tight at the back. Um, Botman's been excellent. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're unlucky. Again, another late Marseille goal um, prevents them from being sort of joint top of the of, of Liga. And... Um, I expect them certainly to be challenging again for the Champions League places because I think they've got um, a nice, well-balanced squad and, and again, a very good coach who's, who's already proven that he can sort of adapt to, to having to change his team from one year to the next. He can play defensive football, attacking football, and who gets the players, you know, really playing for him. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying what Lille are doing the last two, three years and, and I hope they maintain it. Yeah, and I do completely echo what the two of you have said, um, pretty much word for word. 
Um, I would I would say that I would love to see Galtier kind of try and tweak this system a bit, um, as we've kind of alluded to, just to try and get the best out of those, certainly out of those attacking players, as we know that he's capable of doing and that this Lille side are, are capable of doing or have been capable of doing in recent years. I think they could be could be on for for some some you know a really exciting season uh, if he is able to get the best out of some of those attacking talents. Let's very quickly then have a score prediction for this one. Uh, Eric, what do you think is going to happen here? Um, let's see. This is at Strasbourg, uh, but fans aren't really a factor. Uh, nil two. What about you, Jeremy? Uh, I'll go 2 1, Lil. Okay, I was also going to do that. So I will go for 3 1, Lil. And that ends our show for today. So thank you very much for joining me tonight, guys. As always, please be sure to check us out on Twitter at GFFN and on our website, getfootballnewsfrance.com for all your French football needs in English. I've been Jake Smales and I've been joined by Jeremy Smith and Eric Devine. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Enjoy the football and have a great week.